dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning hey george hey lines how's it going uh i've been having a pretty good time you know been timely that we played this game like do 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 <laughs> Dude, man, no, don't, don't, don't come at me with like, it's okay. It's fine. Get out of here. I've been having, I've been having an okay time and, but, but it's spelled with like an O and a C like an, an O. No, I can't. There's no way. There's no way to get the beginning of Ocarina to sound like the word. Okay. There's just, no, it's hard to get Ocarina to sound like anything. Other, other, it's hard to get an, an ocarina to sound like anything. If the hundreds of people who purchased ocarinas after playing this game has taught me anything, it's that knowing how to play an ocarina in this game does not translate into knowing how to play the actual musical instrument. Do you have an ocarina? You know, I never, I never purchased. I came really close a couple <laughs> of times to buying an ocarina and 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 being like, I can do this, but. I think if I remember correctly, and this is one of my nostalgia experiences, um, I, I at one point was like somewhere where I could purchase an ocarina, but like I could, I got to practice it first. Like they let me put, pick mm. it up and like mess with it. And then just in that one moment, I realized, oh, right, this is a musical instrument <laughs> that I would have to learn and I'm not going to, you know? And I was like, okay. And, and even at that young age in my teens, I was like, let me just, let me just think on this a little bit more and then never touched it again. Yeah. You're, you're the worst kind of like self-aware shopper <laughs> that you come in like with your, you know, Ocarina of Time t-shirt and your Triforce baseball cap and your, you know, Princess Zelda pretty, pretty princess backpack. And they're like, ah, this idiot will buy one of these Ocarinas. <laughs> and then, you, then you're like, no, maybe this is a bridge too far. And they're like, damn it, I'm never going to sell all these novelty Ocarinas. <laughs> So close. Hey, you kid, come over here. <laughs> you got got problems? Got not enough music in your life? Please, let me show you to this ocarina. <laughs> so we played. So yeah, so we played um, uh, Oracle of Ages uh, for the Game Boy. Yep. <laughs> You've never have you played any of the Game Boy Zeldas? <laughs> no, I didn't think so. Um, we played finally at long, long, long last Ocarina of Time. Fun, quick side story, uh, just so I don't forget. Um, somebody who uh, found the podcast backwards, like they found me as a streamer and mm. then went to listen to Nostalgia Goggles, which is fun, right? It's like yeah. they saw me streaming this game and then they were like, oh, this guy like does a podcast about these games. And so uh, because I was playing Ocarina of Time and they went and started in the early, like the the old episodes they were like, there's a lot of jokes about them eventually playing Ocarina of Time in here. <laughs> and I was like, yep. oh my God, you're right. We we kept that running for like two years. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We stopped when we played uh um Link to the Past. Yeah. And then uh <laughs> and then I was like, we should play Ocarina sometime. And then we 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 dropped the bit. But uh but yeah, I think this is by far one of our most requested uh episodes, which I mean, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Um game came out in November 
1998, November 21st, which I got to say, um, if you're a parent and your kid comes to you and says, I want this game for Christmas. And then you look and you realize that you have not yet bought your child a Nintendo 64. They only have a super Nintendo, <laughs> like the mad rush to buy Nintendo 64s and to buy this game that Christmas must have been utterly insane. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of a console that would have been more difficult to get. Um, I mean, that around that Christmas year, time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the previous year it would have been the PS One because of Final Fantasy Seven. I know because I was that kid. But <laughs> but this year, like, I don't. I'm sure a lot yeah, of the, great PS One games came out in Christmas 1998. But man, like. If you were a Zelda kid, like this was a whole big deal. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I and and actually, I remember uh, to to go into some of my nostalgia experience. Um, I remember because I think I still had Nintendo Power at the time, and I was like just flipping through it, and it was like uh, there is a 3D Legend of Zelda, and I was like, this is going, this is amazing, <laughs> you know. And I just remember going to my parents like this, this, this. I need, I need this. This is important. Um, all of that being said, uh, so to go into the nostalgia experience, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take this one. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I got this. I, I got this. Um, so I could, I, I have two nostalgia experiences that I want to share. Um, one is so because I played this game. So, just forward as I'm backwards, I play. I, I must have sunk hundreds, if not perhaps thousands, of hours into this game. Um, so the two that I want to share is one is at one point because I had like a specific time that I was allowed to play video games. You know, um, it was on Sundays during like a, a certain time slot, right? And uh, we had just gotten a new kitten, and uh, somebody left the door open to the house. Not me, um, actually, <laughs> not me. Uh, and and uh, and 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 we couldn't find the cat anywhere. So you know, we we were scouring the neighborhood, and my mom, my mom was like. Hey, it's your video time. Just go go play video games. And I was like, no, no, I want to I want to help find the cat. I want to do the right thing. So we spent another hour looking, could not find the cat, and she was like, just go. There's nothing else to be done. Like I'm gonna stay out a little bit longer. Go play video games. So I go into the guest room, which is where my console was, and I boot it up, and I look over to my left, and I see a white paw come stretching out from underneath the covers of the guest bedroom, which nobody thought to check. Um, and I remember thinking, like, man. Uh, one, mom's going to kill you. And two, uh, I, I, I obviously should abandon all things and play Legend of Zelda whenever the opportunity arises. Um, the second one is, uh, and I was going to bring this up during audio, but I'm afraid I'm going to forget, so I'm going to bring it up now, uh, which is I played this game so much that I walked, I, a friend of mine from high school, Tara, I walked her through this game over the phone. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, like like she, I I lent I lent it to her, and then I literally just said, "Okay, you're going to go straight. You're going to go to your right." And I, I walked her through the dungeons to the point where, literally, at one point, she said, "Uh, you know, it was it was going into Dodongo's cavern, right?" And I was like, "Okay, you're going to go into Dodongo's cavern. All right, you're going to run forward. You're going to jump onto the platform, onto the next platform, and make a right." And why did you leave Dodongo's cavern? What? And I was like, you, you, you left the dungeon. Why? And she said, how did you know? I'm like, I can hear the music changing. Why did you leave? She's like, well, I thought I could go get this thing. You don't need that thing yet. Turn around, go back into the cavern. Explain you know? yourself. God damn it. Yeah. So, uh, 
So yes, that is how much <laughs> I, I played and, and loved this game. Uh, that is my nostalgia experience. Yeah. No, I, and I, I suspect that's based on what I know of this game from the, like the zeitgeist and its place in the culture. That's probably not that unique of an experience. Not, <laughs> I don't think it's super common. I bet a lot of people would pretend they played it that much, right? Because they, they want to be part of the in crowd. Um, mm-hmm. I, as we've discussed many times, I went the PlayStation route because that is where Final Fantasy went. Right? Mm-hmm. I loved Final Fantasy 3 on the Super Nintendo. I loved Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo. Two of my all-time favorite games. But when pick a side, I was like, Final Fantasy, Dad, right? <laughs> like, and that's that's the way I went. Um, and, you know, fortunate, I didn't know at the time, but fortunately I was going to be able to go back and play other games. And And this game sort of went into this weird, like, cold storage for me where with every passing year, I became increasingly aware of the fact that I had not played Ocarina of Time. And, you know, because people are like, you know, oh, yeah, you you, pl- you play video games, right? Yeah, I, I play a lot of games. Oh, you, you've played like Zelda games, right? Yeah, I've, I've played a lot of Zelda games, I guess. Um, what, what do you think is better, Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask? I'm like, I, uh, oh, no. I, I don't, I agree with your opinion, surely, right? Just like a lot of <laughs> this kind of like, it was Super Mario 64 was the exact same way, right? It was just like, ah, I, I actually, I kind of missed that one. Sorry, please, please don't like now judge me. Don't kick me out of the video game club because I haven't played this particular title. So when I mean, uh, I, I, I played Skyward Sword and then they're like, get out, <laughs> get out of me. And they'd be right. Um, yeah. So when they re-released this game on the 3DS uh, with like updated visuals and better controls and all that stuff, I was like, okay, this seems like as good a time as any to finally play Ocarina of Time, right? Because I didn't have access to a Nintendo 64 at the time that this game came to 3DS. I did have access to a 3DS. So I was like, I'm going to play this game, but I'm going to play the updated version and just be okay with that, right? So I played it cover to cover. Um, I had feelings about it at the time, but the whole time you're playing the 3DS remake, if you know anything about the N64 original, you're really aware of where those edges were sanded off, right? So like for better or worse, you can tell, oh, this is the remake because there's no Mm -hmm. way they would have made this design choice on the first pass. This is to fix a problem, right? So like I was really excited to play this because I was like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to sit down. And now I will be able to say I have played Ocarina of Time because before it was like I've played Ocarina of Time asterisk, you know, like kind of mostly like enough. Right. But now I can, you know, take the asterisk off of my record and say, yes, okay, finally, I've played Ocarina of Time and I played the 3DS re-release. Before we dive into the game, we got to do that shilling thing. Uh, I already mentioned uh, the Twitches. Um, I don't only stream Nostalgia Goggles games, but, you know, come by, hang out. Sometimes I do. Sometimes it's other stuff. Sometimes it's both because I get fed up with whatever I started and I switch. So that's fun. Um, You could talk to us. We're actually both on Twitter. Uh, And there's the Nostalgia Goggles account, links in the show notes, all that stuff. Uh, Go and find our Patreon and give us money if you want to give us money. You don't have to give us money, but if you do give us money, you get stuff for it. And if you give us enough money, you get this stuff. Uh, If you're one of our 8-bit classics or 16-bit heroes, we'll say your names. Uh, And our 8-bit classics are John H., 
a blustering blue inky. And our 16-bit heroes, Michael S. A proud pink pinky. David S. A raging red blinky. And Jacob K. Clyde. Uh, I enjoy this thing you've committed yourself to. (laughs) (laughs) I put more thought into you to it than you'd think. (laughs) I just, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. So eventually you're just not going to be playing the games for the episodes. You're just going (laughs) to spend the whole two weeks thinking up the names. And, you know, as long as they stay good, I might be okay with that. Yeah, because then this is where the episode ends. The curtain falls. (laughs) It was good. It was bad. No, 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 no. The YouTube, the 10 minutes of YouTube videos I watched seemed great. <laughs> I understand this game is very popular. A plus. <laughs> um, let's talk about how it looks. It has visuals. They were new at the time. Yes. Um, so I, I don't know, man. And, and I'm interested in your thoughts. Uh, this game is gorgeous. Love this game. Love the way it looks. Um, yes, it is, uh, you know, low poly, which, you know, honestly it did not age as badly as i was anticipating i was anticipating being like this this game is gonna look like the fish crawling onto land and it does to a degree i mean you've got the hoof hands and you've got that that type of stuff that was you know the only call that could be made but i thought that they went with uh you know nice vibrant colors um i thought that they did a good job i mean and i'm just throwing stuff we can do a deeper (laughs) dive on any of this just gonna pepper it yeah, but I mean, you know, like the the when you first boot up the game, it's bright and it's, you know, bright greens, bright colors, bright everything. And then you go wandering around Hyrule and everything's bright and colorful and awesome. And then you turn into an adult and everything's terrible and dark and gritty. So they kind of, they do both, you know, but in a way that makes sense, you know, Um I mean, like the the Shadow Temple is a, is literally a nightmare realm where they kind of like delve into those like <laughs> yeah, deep kind of... <laughs> <laughs> those deeper colors so i mean honestly for me uh vi- just visuals for the sake of visuals uh yeah man i i just loved it still s- s- definitely held up for me you so i'll i'll co-sign most of that um i do really like the color choices and the more i've played zelda games like in the series because i've the last few years i've played some of the older games that i never played before Um, the more I've realized that these stories are usually a little bit heavier than the visuals would let on, right? This game in particular has some spooky stuff. Like when you, even as a kid, like there's the, the, what do you call them? The big, like scarecrow looking things. Redeads. Yeah. Those things are terrifying, right? Yes. Like there's just a lot of bright colorful happiness and then also very effective spooky scary darker colors darker uh designs and and more uh kind of like meandering layouts that make you feel more lost and stuff like there's there's a lot of really spectacular visuals the places where they do fall down to me they fall down in like a jackassian like (laughs) point and laugh kind of way um, and, and not all of them are the game designer's fault. Some of them are just accidents, right? So here's a great example of an accident. Uh, the little wooshy wooshy camera animation when you open a chest, mm-hmm. um, the whole world freezes when you do that. Oh, yeah. 
So if yeah. you uh, killed an enemy and they dropped like the green potion uh, that restores magic, um, mm-hmm. what can happen is that that can end up closer to the camera than the artist ever expected it to be. And so you can see that not only do they do the the N64 paper thin billboarding thing where it's just always facing the camera, which normally mm-hmm. when you're moving at full speed is not a big deal. But when you're doing the slow panning camera, it looks very strange and it's so insanely low res like mm-hmm. like like the Super Nintendo could have a more high res sprite. It's insane, but it's because they just. They weren't planning for that. They didn't expect right. you to be seeing it that angle. So they're just like, yeah, fine. Like it's a, it's an accident, whatever. Um, then there's other graphical things that are a little more questionable, like the great fairies, like the way the great fairies look. Yeah. I mean, they shipped that. That's what they wanted them to look like. Right. And they're important. There are every, I think there's four great fairies. Six. Six. Yeah. All right. You, I'm, I'm sorry. Did you not? I'm so, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, so there's you interact with the great. I mean, check myself on that. <laughs> Go ahead, though. I know there's at least four because there's the three magic spells and then uh, the one that gives you more um, more magic, more magic power. Yeah. No, there's more than that. There, there may be more than that. Those are the four I met um, and they all use the same model and they're all horrifying horrifying like everybody makes fun of the triangle boobs but you know Lara Croft and Tomb Raider had triangle but there's only so much you can do with like a handful of polygons but their faces dude their body language like it's so uncanny you okay yeah now I remember okay so um there's one that gives you the spinning sword attack oh yeah okay and uh, the one uh, by Ganon's castle that you can only get at the very end of the game after you can let the thing that gives you half damage. Yes, you're right. Okay, so you're right, six. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know why I remember <laughs> six, but like couldn't name them for you. That means that my brain, you know, still registered that information, but then was like, now Google it. Google the rest. Yeah. Be, <laughs> be sure people are listening. <laughs> but yeah, so they, they all use the same character model and they all have the same just absolutely horrifying face which is very intentionally shown super close up from several different angles like i just and and in later and earlier zelda games for that matter the great fairies are shown to be these like gorgeous angelic like otherworldly women um i I, dude i don't know it's just why like what what were they going for with this design that just didn't translate well to low poly it's so bizarre well, and, and I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, uh, 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 <laughs> that's, that's the end of the sentence. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. The great fairies, because they definitely made a distinct divergent design choice that they were like, ah, no, that wasn't the way to go. Because all of the great fairies before and all of the great fairies after don't follow in this in this ideology, right? Um, and I know this kind of goes into audio, but the like cackling screech laugh that they do you know like i I literally have great fairy in my notes twice so i could make sure to circle back to this but oh my god yeah so so with that in mind is that it's i i think that the insane way they look i I, i'm I'm unlikely to blame that on low poly because they also sound insane (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, so that means that they were like, okay, we need to make sure that people know these people are insane. Like, I know they look crazy, but let's also make them sound crazy. So maybe it was like a, a, a 90s thing where it was like, oh, they're going to be like crazy people. Are, I don't I don't know. But it was it was. Yeah, that that's that's something that, you know, it I my brain literally said, like, is what it is. I, I didn't even think about it, honestly, while I was playing because I just again, so so used to that visual. But yeah, definitely. I don't know. I don't know why that was the call because it's 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 not in keeping with the tone of anything else in the game. You know, I mean, everything else is very, very traditional Zelda in that sense. I mean, you look at all of the other characters, people, they're they're they make sense in the context in which they're given, except for the great fairies, which apparently, um, you know, decided that thousands of years ago, um, glam rock was a thing. And they decided to just stay the course, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that that's more to, to be fair to the game. Uh, that's, I think you could make an argument that it was an artistic choice, right? Yeah. They could have made them look different and they didn't. So I will, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt since everything else seems to be, you know, way better thought out and just be like, I disagree with this choice. Um, now where the visuals I would say aged the worst um, and, and this is a little nitpicky, but I, th- I think it is worth thinking about for games from this era is statically, everything looks pretty damn good, right? Even the, the billboarded, you know, JPEGs that are technically just flat images, but all the 3d models look pretty good. The textures get a little, eh, if you stare at them too much, but mostly they're, they're pretty good, right? I would say this game actually looks really well thought out and cohesive, um, the thing that dated the visuals the most for me is the animations, the way, like if you're talking to certain people in town, they do like a weird, like little Bob and it's like unnaturally fast mm-hmm. or they, their head kind of bobs to, to sort of simulate their weird talking animation or like when someone's laughing, they'll do like a knee slap, but they'll do it as long as the text is on screen. So they just continually knee slap like at super high speed forever. And I just. I know why technologically they would do that, because more animations means more time, more money. And most importantly, for games from the Nintendo 64, me- more memory, right? All those animations have to live somewhere. And that means <laughs> you have to have a shorter draw distance and this game has an amazing draw distance, right? You feel like you can see way off into the distance all the time, which is kind of amazing uh, because the world is huge and sprawling. You feel like things don't just kind of pop in and out, which a lot of N64 games do, which is great. But I think part of the way they are able to keep some of that stuff in memory is that the animations that have to load at any given moment are not very complicated. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just, it's very Hanna-Barbera, right? It's it's yeah. very, we did this animation as cheaply as possible and it's more for technological reasons than for financial reasons, but it has that same kind of dated, like, oh, this is the best you could do at the time. Um, and I just think it looks a little awkward. Like the slower in in, in the, the forest, uh, all of the fairy children... Yeah, I, yeah, technically. Forest I mean, people? Yeah, because they're not, they, they don't age, right? Yeah. You know? So yeah. They're, they're, they're possibly thousands of years yeah. old. So so them, uh, most of them move 
kind of slow, like Saria moves like very slow and kind of smooth. And so it sort of just looks like she's kind of shifting her weight or sort of like waiting for you to like say whatever you're going to say so she can go back to singing, right? Like it, it feels a little bit more natural. But then as soon as you get into Kakariko Village, like those people, they're human. Well, they're Hylians, but they're, they're humans-ish. So like they move a lot faster and it kind of separates them from the way the forest children move. But that's when you notice like, oh, this is just on like an insane loop. And like they're just going to stand there and <laughs> slap their knee repeatedly for all of time. And it just, I know this sounds really nitpicky, but like, it's, it's just one of those things that you're like, this is midlife N64 era, isn't it? Like they would never do animations like this now, unless they were trying to harken back to the mid to late nineties. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with all that. And I think that the, the thing that kind of assists uh, this in that case is, is that, you know, it is, this is a cartoon. You know, so I think that the, the fact that this is a cartoon kind of helps because um, the animations are to, like there's the one guy in Kakariko Village and then later outside of the Gerudo Village who is just laughing. He's laughing like it's insane person all the time. But his text is very like loud, like he's just kind of screaming. And so it, it, it again, I think that you're correct in the sense that it feels like Hanna-Barbera, which, which is a cartoon, you know. Um, so I do think that, you know, uh when they need to have a darker, more serious tone, they don't go with those looped animations, you know? So when it's like, hey, it's it's Kakariko Village, you know? Like, it's just it's nice, fun Kakariko Village, you know? Then it's like, all right, that that that's cool. But then, um, yeah, like, when they're, uh, when, when you're in, like, the graveyard and Dompe is, like, kind of, like, trudging along, like, he's, he's trudging along, you know? So, um, so yeah, but that that is a, a fair and interesting point. Um, so some of the the more new, uh, I guess nuance areas uh, is one of the things that. So let's let's talk about text. Um, <laughs> one one thing that they do do that I think is is interesting, um, and I think it's good, but it belies a more under under underlying theme. But if I'm going to pull to that theme later, I got to lay, lay the groundwork now, right? Um, they highlight the text. You know, they 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 change text colors for uh, important key words, I, phrases. I like when RPGs do that. It's okay. Yeah. Just, you can spoon feed it to me a little. Just make sure I'm paying attention, please. Yeah, it's, especially because if you're just kind of like, alrighty, you know, like your mind wanders, whatever. You're like, oh, right, great, Barry, this, that. Uh, one side note is um, the uh, uh, cartridge that I booted up uh, apparently just had the save slot AAA as like the first slot, you know, all in capital letters. And so I just selected that one just to, you know, make sure that, that the hardware, you know, was, was, was still up to snuff and all that kind of good stuff. And I played a little bit and I was like, ah, I don't want to go and start a new game because I always name myself Link. So I was like, whatever. And it wasn't until I was about a third of the way through the game that I realized that it sounds like people are screaming whenever <laughs> they would say my name. That's so like, it's like, quick, you have to do something. Ah, you know, and it's like, <laughs> So that actually <laughs> helped. Like that made it nice, more more fun for me because I'm like, man, a lot of people in Hyrule are just losing their minds suddenly. Um, so <laughs> that's that's a good thing on the text. The bad thing on the text is you cannot in any way adjust the speed at which that text comes at you. Well, and you can tell they thought about it for a second because you can accelerate the text in certain circumstances, but it's all the way through all of the text. Mm -hmm. So you can't 
read it faster. You can skip it sometimes. And weirdly, there are times they let you skip it that are like narratively important. Like, oh, that character was giving me information. It's not just that they were explaining to me again how bombs work. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I had that under gameplay, but yeah, I mean, like they will explain to you ad infinitum, you know, every single time you get bombs, it's like, here's how bombs work. Here's how bombs work. Here's how bombs work. And you know, I, I get it. I understand how this item works. You do not need to explain it to me every time. And most importantly is that the fact that the text moves at a certain speed and you cannot speed it up is frustrating because it's like, I, I got it. I know. I, I, I promise you I've got this. And, uh, and so that that was a very, um, like I said, just a, a choice that I don't think aged well, do not agree with. Uh, and then the the caveat on the end of that, that I just, this is just me complaining about this one particular thing, is that, uh, and I don't know the, the name of this character, like I'm going to pronounce it poorly, but the, the owl, Kapora, Gabora, whatever his name oh, is. Oh, his name is uh, Annoying Jackass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, um... I cannot believe that repeat everything you just said is the default choice. Yeah. That is, yeah. that is sinister, man. That yeah. is, I remember that at like, I have a nostalgia memory for that. Like the first time I saw this guy, I'm like, I have to go really slow as he's talking to me because if I don't, I'm going to hammer. Tell me everything you just said again, which is unacceptable. Don't, make that the default option when you know for the nth time somebody's playing it they're just like hammering the a button like yeah yeah, no uh it's pretty awful yeah and so this is a this is partially a mechanical thing but i think it's worth mentioning now while we're talking about the speed of text and the recurrence of text and how you are dealing with this visual all the time which is there's no there's no second chances in zelda to get a lot of information, some stuff you can talk to people twice, but like say you opened up your menu and you're like, wait, how do bombs work? Well, that's just too bad. <laughs> like there's nowhere to look that up. And that's not unheard of for a game to not have that. I would say the vast majority of the games we've played for the podcast probably don't have easy reference for like how things work mechanically, which buttons you have to press. But I feel like <laughs> when someone decided oh okay every single time you pick up bombs only from a chest not like if an enemy drops them which is a weird choice but every time you pick up bombs or a small key or rupees or arrows anything like anything coming out of a chest man yeah we're gonna shove this text in your face and it's like or let me press like up c in the menu and navi will tell me how that item works right like Give, you won't I shut up about everything else. Yeah, I don't like. I don't need a full like uh, Skyrim or like The Witcher quality like quest log that shows me everyone I've talked to and exactly where I am in the narrative because the narrative is not that complicated. But it would be nice if you could just like, okay, we're going to tell you how bombs work the first time, and then whenever you open your menu, like the upsy will like just flash Navi. And then if you press up C on your sword or on a magic or on the bombs or anything, then we will show you that text again, right? Like you can go and reference that text and that would also solve the owl problem, right? 
You don't have to have him repeat what he said ever. It doesn't even have to be an option. Just have a place where that text lives, where I can go and look at it, even if it's just talking to Navi, right? You can call Saria on your Ocarina phone and she's like, hey, maybe you should go to the water temple next or whatever. I don't know. I'm just a forest child, right? Like, <laughs> so they're, they thought about what do we do if someone gets hopelessly lost or doesn't know what to do? And then we're just like, eh, <laughs> it just, uh, we'll just tell them how bombs work every time. And, and, and like I said, I, I think this belongs in visuals because that is a chore to go through that every time. Mm-hmm. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, and, uh, so I think that, um, and, and this, this is kind of like the, the, the thread that I think, um, kind of plays, especially in mechanics is it shows a lack of faith in the player. Right. And I think that that is the big thing that this game suffers from. Right. And I think that the reason why that lack of faith was made in this particular iteration. And I think that, because I think that, that this game is when they said like, hey, let's not trust the player so much. And then they, each Zelda game afterwards, they trusted the player less and less and less until Breath of the Wild when they hit the hard reset, right? Um, so I think that that's, so when we talk about like the highlighted text, it's like, no, that's good. That's nice in case I'm not paying attention. It does kind of show a little bit of a lack of trust in the player. But again, other games do that. But then when you also consider the fact that they hammer you with how to use items, every single time it's like no i don't need you to tell me all this trust me i got it or at least give me the tool to go find out as you said like if all of a sudden i don't got it but i don't need you to every single time like you know every single time i get up from the table i don't need you to tell me make sure that i don't spill food on the floor like i got it you know um so i do think that and and i think that this is going to be something that we're going to see come up uh perhaps in audio but certainly in gameplay is is where that lack of where that faith's broken um, you broke that, the faith, Jimmy. Broke the faith. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, another thing that I just I, I want to touch on is especially um, some of the temples uh, you can say this about. Uh, definitely from my seat, all of the um, dungeons that you play through as a child, they're cool, man. Like the idea behind them is neat. Like the idea of the entire dungeon being inside of the great Deku tree or also inside of like Lord Jabu Jabu, like the, the crawling around inside of a fish as a dungeon, you know, and the fact that the doors are like, you know, little sphincters that make the little like burp sound, like when you walk through them, you know, like it's, it's just cool. It's a cool idea. And I think that in that sense, they were like, Hey, it's finally three dimensions. We can make a three dimensional Zelda game. Let's do some fun stuff with it. Let's just not, not just make dungeons. Let's make dungeons where the environment itself is fascinating. Uh, and I really appreciated that. Well, even as an adult, um, like the, the temple of spirit, the last one, right. Mm -hmm. Um, is like when we have to go through both as a kid and in a, as an adult, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah, real mind screwy too. If you don't understand what it is they're getting at, um, there, <laughs> actually, there's a great example of that colorful text. Is when you come out uh, the first time and uh, Zelda, I mean Sheik, appears and is like, "Sorry if I just spoiled that for anybody, um, dude." I mean, I if anybody's even played like freaking uh, <laughs> Brawl, like that's they, true. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, she she's like doing her little poetry slam 
you know, way of giving you hints about what to do. And it's like, you need to go in with the clear eyes of a child as a child, go back to the temple of time, become a child. Then here's the song you used to teleport back here. Do you understand what I'm telling you to do, please? Right? Like it's, and, but they highlight a lot of it in colors and like she, you know, uses the same words over and over, uh, very short phrases. So like even just visually the way the text appears like in the blocks on, on the lines is, is very consistent. But, um, that temple is like, it's not, it's not a, it's not a MacGuffin building. It's not a building that holds MacGuffins that only exists because we live in a world with MacGuffins. Like it's part of the Gerudo culture. Like all of the imagery and the Colossus on the outside that you, you get the, um, the chest is on one of her hands. Like that's all part of their culture. So it's all themed the way they would have carved it out of that mountain hundreds or thousands of years ago, right? The, the water temple is annoying as hell, but laid out uh, in a way that like makes sense for people who can be underwater all the time. Right. So it's like, it's very vertical because the Zora can swim and they don't have a problem with verticality. They don't need stairs. Right. So like the, the, the mechanics are, probably where they started and then they painted the theming on after but nintendo's really good at that like they're really good at like here's an interesting mechanic or here's a clever puzzle or here's just something that's fun and stupid and we'll just figure out a reason that it makes sense and you end up with this like visually diverse landscape that up until this time zeldas were only able to kind of like hint at and it's not that they didn't do it well, but like they really leaned into the 3D-ness of like when you're walking up to the Colossus or when you're swimming down to the water temple, like those have really different feelings because of their scale, because of the colors, because of how you approach them. Like it's it's spectacular. It's probably about the best word I can come up with. Like it's visually really imposing when it needs to be welcoming, when it needs to be threatening, when it needs to be. It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, and speaking of the uh, spectacle nature of it, right, is um, like the boss intros. Boss intros are cool, man. I mean, again, you know, like... I, Was this the first w- game that titled all the bosses in Zelda games? I believe so. I, I think it is. Think I'm, I'm, oh, God. I know it does not do that in Link to the Past, but it might do it in um, Link's Awakening, which came after Link to the Past, but I've only played once. Yeah, I, I I would I would put some money, not a tremendous amount of money, but some money on this being the first one, right? But I mean, I, I still remember, man, when I was a kid, and and very much so, still get the same feeling, right? When you know, you walk into because uh, the Great Deku Tree, right? That that's the dungeon that like sets the tone. So it's like, look, look at the size of this dungeon, and you have to move in three. I mean, like really hit the fact that it's like, look, there's a Z axis now because the big puzzle in the beginning is that there's a you know spider web, right? Uh, and then you got to climb all the way up and then you drop through the spider web and they're like, hey, this is going to be a thing now. We've got a Z-axis. We're going to force you to use it, right? So you walk into the, the the final dungeon, the final boss area, right? And you just hear that. And you're like, there's no boss though. Where's the boss? What's going on? You just kind of start wandering around and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, it was on the ceiling and it comes like drops down in front of you. It's huge. And, you know, like plays the intense music and it says, you know, like the whatever d- demon parasite, you know, 
whatever the thing is. And, 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 you know, I was like, oh my God, like, I, dude, just the, the way that they, the, the camera angles and the fact that they say, you know, okay, we're going to take control of the camera during this intro. Uh, it's really, really cool. Like, uh, the, 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 the dongo, you know, where you like fall down and then all of a sudden you hear like, you know, and then, you know, and it's and you see the camera is like up and looking down, and you're like, that that's not. I'm not gonna have to like fight that thing, right? You know, <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I do think that they could do a good job leveraging um, the the cinematography of those uh, intros to really sell the scale and intensity of this thing that you're fighting. Yeah. Uh, now let me take all the positivity you just brought to the show and crap all over it. Um, Sweet. I have realized over the course of the time we've been doing this that I really like what I believe cinema people call the director's hand. Like I want the people making the art to have opinions about things. And when you're playing a 3d game, uh, there's a lot of times where you have to have control over the camera and the difference in quality between the the little cinematics uh like the little story driven cinematics uh and the boss intros that are very cinematic and when you the player have control over the camera is like oh this is the part of our vacation footage that was you know shot by my mom who's been working in the television industry her entire adult life and this is when she got tired of holding the giant camcorder and handed it off to the nine-year-old and the nine-year-old just spinning around, pointing it straight at the ground, pointing it straight up in the air, lens cap on sometimes, right? Like it, it doesn't feel, and it, it can't feel the same tonally, but it would be nice if it felt the same in like rough quality. There are so many times where I was like, Oh, the camera is just going to point straight at the goddamn ground or straight up in the air. Or I was Z targeting and I will have a lot to say about that. But I was I was Z targeting on something which makes the camera behave very differently because you still kind of have control over it, but not really. And there were times that it would clip into a wall, but the wall texture wouldn't go away. And so now I'm just staring at like rocks or bricks or sand or water which is not helping me fight, right? So like the the quality of the camera in the cinematics shows what you can do on a 3D console. And it looks great. Every single boss intro feels great. Every little, you know, dumb Zelda, we know it's you sequence with Sheik feels really cinematic because uh, I think it takes four or five temples before... Uh, she does the stupid ninja, you know, Naruto, like smoke bomb at the feet. And then Link is like, where did she go? And he's all like looking around. But you, the player, can see her off to the side, like watching Link. Just be like, yeah, go, go get those medallions, Lunk. You got this. right? <laughs> and like, you can do cool stuff like that. Because if the player still had control, it's like, maybe they wouldn't have the camera pointed over there. They wouldn't even notice that she's still watching. So I... Man, I just, I hate it. I hate the camera in this so much. I hate it so much. Like, I just want modern free roaming cameras to be backported to every old game. <laughs> and I think that, that that also speaks to like the, and, and this is something that we ran into with, with Mario 64 as oh, well. Oh my, yes. The, the, again, the lack of faith in the player, right? And, and again, first four way, foray into true three, three dimensions, right? Um, 
they the I really do believe that the logic was there is no way that a human being can both control the character and the free roaming camera in three dimensional space at the same time. There's no way. I mean, also, I mean, and literally the belief of that is reinforced by the fact that the Nintendo controller would have made that impossible. You know, there's not a dual analog, you know, so it's like, no, there's one analog stick and this other stick for your third hand. I don't know what that was about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, and you know, then the, the, the buttons that you press right now, history has clearly borne out. That's not the case, but you can see in both super Mario, um, 64 in this game, I'm sure there are, are plenty of others where Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. Yeah. Banjo Kazooie where they are just trying so hard to struggle with the solution to the problem that doesn't actually exist. They were trying to solve the problem of how can we help the player control the camera? And the answer is you don't like just give me control over it and then I can do it. No sweat. But uh, man, they were sure that that was a problem that needed fixing. Um, well, and, and, and yeah, I will say, I just, I don't want to forget about this. So I, I apologize if I'm about to steamroll over you, but um, in Super Mario galaxy which admittedly is two console generations later right um but in super mario galaxy you actually don't have control of the camera it's a lot more like super mario 64 where you can turn it sometimes but a lot of times you go to turn the camera and it does a little camera with the x and it's like nah nah dude you can't but the reason nobody hates on the camera in that game is because they very very thoughtfully crafted every camera angle because that game would be impossible. Otherwise you're running literal circles around literal planetoids. If they didn't very thoughtfully think about how the camera should behave, when it should be fixed, when it should be chasing you over the shoulder at what distance, at what angle. And and I'm sure there was a huge amount of work, but it can be done you can completely or you know 95% take camera control away from the player in a 3D world and still have that be be a good decision but but now you the game designer have 10,000 extra good decisions you have to make instead of saying here's a thumbstick go nuts put the camera wherever you want it to be whatever works for you point it straight at the ground point it straight up in the air do whatever you want but it's on you now right you mm-hmm. don't destroy the complexity you just shift it onto the player but these N64 games do neither. They don't make the decisions for you and they don't let you decide. And that's, oh man, that's, if there is anything from this, the N64 era specifically, that to me is always going to be like a, a my, you know, Mario walking and Donkey Kong noise. It's, it's the camera because it, it's just, there's no choice. They didn't have the design sophistication to make all of the decisions for you or the time or the budget or whatever. Um, and they didn't have the hardware to let you make those decisions. So you're always going to be in this constant fish with legs state. Um, the, the two other quick notes that I had, uh, one is that when a door opens, the camera pans back from the door to you. Um, you can definitely make the argument for that being a lack of faith in the player. I feel that in a new three dimensional world, that's kind of helpful. Um, because you know, if you're dealing with, you know, three dimensions and you know you open up a door it's nice to like okay that's that's the door i opened you know so it shows the door that you opened and then it pans all the way back to you and it faces you to the door be like that's what you just did you know so 
do whatever you want with that information. But that's that's the thing that changed when you heard that musical talent. Um, and then the one final throwaway note that I have that is just so dumb, but I don't, I don't, I hated it at the time, and <laughs> and now. Now here I am, fifteen years later, I get to say something about it. I do not like the way that the jars are shaped in this game. Don't care for it. The little pots. It's dumb. No, the jar, the, the 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 jars that are apparently made of gold in every Zelda game because oh, the, you only get bottles. four of them. The yeah, 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 yeah. Bottles. Oh, yeah. When you're holding them and they have the weird yeah. pointy bottom. <laughs> yeah. What? How has Link not bled out? From like running with that in his pocket and stabbing him in the leg, and I know what you're saying, like, oh, 3D low poly. This, it's not the 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 icon for it is not a circle. Like, if it was a circle, it makes sense, right? And it was a circle in Link to the Past. It's not in this one. It's like a jar, right? Yeah, like, it's got flat bottom, like milk they're jars. flat bottom <laughs> jars. Just flat. It's flat. <laughs> Why? Why a giant jagged point? That that is a shit. <laughs> absolutely i i love this so much because every single time i caught a fairy or like when i had to get the blue fire and stuff and you know because it does the same little like whoosh like grabbing animation and the camera pans around in front of you so that you can see you caught something and then he holds it up and it tells you again what you caught and how it works and every time i was just like you're so pointy what? <laughs> that bottle point like that? It's weird, it's but like it point. registered on like a very low intensity. <laughs> but you're totally right. Why are they yeah. not just flat on the bottom? Why not just flat on the bottom? Because like when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I mean, it makes sense. You know, they're doing their best they can. But now as an adult kind of knowing how it works, I'm like, no, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's bad, bad, bad choice. Did not like. Yeah. Yeah. If you put several triangles together, you can get a square, which is what the bottom of this this bottle could have looked like instead of coming to a a sharp pyramidal d4 on the bottom i'm, I'm gonna need all of our all of our listeners to uh google erlenmeyer flask and tell me if they because <laughs> that then you don't even need to go the extra mile to make it a square it could just be a triangle on the bottom it could have been an erlenmeyer flask no reason none no excuses unforgivable <laughs> f minus <laughs> full um, nostalgia goggles thanks everybody <laughs> Uh, I, one other thing I want to say about the visuals, because th- this is, this is a personal note and I don't know how well I'm going to convey this, but I'm going to try when you look at screenshots of this game, especially because the most common screenshots when they're like talking about the game are often link looking out over the field, right? Like you've just come out of the castle or you've just come out of the forest. You've just come out of Kakariko village or whatever. And you're looking out over, I think is it literally called Hylia field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're looking out over the field. And if you look at a screenshot of that, or if you put your controller down and then you're like walking back toward the television with, you know, your peanut butter sandwich and your glass of milk, it is kind of staggering how, unpopulated the world is like it feels Mm. barren like there's nothing right and then when you you transpose that against like breath of the wild which there's interesting mountains and rock formations and waterfalls and stuff everywhere but it doesn't feel cluttered it feels like a believable world and and the reason i wanted to specifically bring this up is because when you're actually playing the game you don't notice this at all Like I only thought about this when I was either 
like sitting back and looking at the game, not doing anything, just sitting there stationary. Or when I was looking at screenshots, because I always have like reference photos up when we record. And I was kind of like, what is happening here? And I realized when you're playing the game, you're like, you're doing stuff. And so you're not just staring at the the mountain over on the the horizon. You're not counting the leaves on the trees. Like, and w- what essentially happens, and it's the worst on Hylia Field. Like the towns are more populated, the dungeons are a lot more populated. But Hylia Field is the worst example of it. You're going somewhere. You got stuff to do. Like you're not thinking about exactly how the trees are planted and exactly how the dirt path grows. And so what I realized is the visuals in this game in a lot of places, not everywhere, but in a lot of places are a lot like Hollywood sets. You're not supposed to be staring straight at them. You're supposed to be watching the characters interact or watching the bank heist go off or watching the, you know, the policeman chase the bank robber down the street. Like, yeah, the background is just cycling on a loop, but why are you looking at that? The actions over here, idiot. And so I I think the game actually does a really good job of having literally just enough so that when you are playing the game, the world doesn't feel completely sparse and empty. But then if you kind of sit back and look, you're like, Oh, that's how they get this phenomenal draw distance. There's barely anything here to draw, (laughs) right? Like it is definitely a technical trade-off where they said, when you're out on the field, we want you to be able to see way farther than you could in super Mario 64, where the draw distance is bad, Right. And so I think they put less stuff so that you can see farther when you're playing the game. You're not really aware of it all. Like they must have every tree must have been a trade off. Like, okay, if we put one more tree, it'll bring the draw distance in by like five more polygons. Does the world feel populated enough yet? No. Okay. One more tree. How about now? (laughs) Okay. Now the world feels believably populated. Okay. No more trees. No more trees. That's all we needed. Um, so yeah, so all of that being said for uh for visuals, um for audio, uh music is fantastic. It's not just fantastic. Ooh, okay. It is right. some of the most iconic Zelda music comes from this game. Yes. Like it's Oh, absolutely. It's staggering how much and I mean, to be fair, it's also because some of this music was used in Smash Brothers. And so that also got it more into the popular consciousness. But they used it in Smash Brothers because it is good. Yes. I mean, you know, and and on top of that, this this game is musically themed, right? I mean, it's Ocarina of Time, you know? So there is yeah, there is a... It would be really weird if the music sucked. Yeah, music's trash. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so not only do you have... Uh, amazing music like the uh uh lost forest which thank goodness it's good because you get to hear a lot of it um you know uh you you have the uh the amazing expansive music of Hylia field um you have the uh the the creepy music of being inside of like those weird potion shops and stuff um you know like all the music themes the, the the music of the gerudo village i that one's one of my favorites i just really really love that song um not only do you have all of that but you have each of the individual songs which are you know iconic in their own right like you have uh zelda's lullaby um epona's song like all of those as well that are also uh, really good and then the songs that warp you places are also really kind of enjoyable to listen to so uh yeah the music again you know i mean 
just queue up a playlist. It's good, you know? When it's the the amount of variation, but everything's still feeling pretty cohesive. The the songs that you use to teleport to the different places feel appropriate to that place, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the water temple teleport is different than the the um Death Mountain Crater teleport, right? Or the Bolin of Fire, whatever. Right? Like they they're all themed kind of to their uh their temple or like the temple of time, I guess. Um oh just to tie this quickly back to visuals in your menu, which is also a stupid 3D wooshy wooshy menu for no reason, but mm-hmm. in your in your menu, uh, you can go and reference the songs. So they did think about giving you documentation you could turn to. Fun, fun side note: I did not know that as a kid. Um, really? So you did you just memorize them? Did you write them down? I, I had my own notebook yeah. that I wrote all of the music down in because I didn't know. Like I wrote the bars and like the C, you know, like I wrote it all down. Uh, and then it wasn't until. Years later, when I was replaying, I'm like, oh, it, it recorded all this information <laughs> for me. I was just so terrified about losing it. See, I love that because uh, can you imagine a kid writing down the instructions for how to use bombs? No, but <laughs> so instead they took the piece of information that the player is most likely to go, ah, this is important. I should write this down. And they gave you documentation for it. And then they took the information that you'll never forget because it's a single button press and they tell you every single every time. single time. God damn it. What were you thinking, <laughs> Nintendo? Um, Why? But I, I love the uh, the notes are color coded. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like they're, you know, the red one is the fire temple and blue ones. Were, right. Um, but when you uh, when you play each of those songs, I noticed that not all of them, but of the like nine pieces of music you get like all the teleporty spells plus like a bonus song it's our song right so like the the you know nine to eleven or whatever pieces of music you get uh most of them are not really six notes they're three notes that repeat right yeah actually i i believe and and you know is that all of the initial songs that you learn that do not teleport you are three notes all the ones that do teleport you are not uh, that might be true. So it's, it would end up being like half and half. So like Correct. half of them are super easy to remember. Half of them are like not hard, but are harder. Well, the, the half that you learn first are easy because you learn all the non-teleporty ones first. Then you learn the teleporty ones. So while you're still getting used to the mechanic, you're still getting used to having the Ocarina, you're still getting used to all the sort of stuff. You only got to no- learn three. But then once you become an adult and everything's more difficult and more complex... <laughs> That's when they start hitting you with the uh, the actual ones, the yeah. the, the actual which, songs. Which, uh, for anyone who's listening, who's taken music lessons, that is actually pretty spot on. Like, <laughs> like, oh look, I can play all these songs on the ocarina, and it's like you can play three notes. You suck. Here's a real piece of music. Yeah, get get, get good. Um, so yeah, so so music, great. Um, tons of other uh, audio things that this this game's doing. One of which I did. This is just a personal note that. I, kind of want to throw in there but uh when i first queued this up i did not have my audio hooked up properly so the audio was not working on this the sound effects are for this game is so ingrained to me that i literally heard them (laughs) even though my sound wasn't working to the point where like i had to like call my wife in and say listen listen to this is there sound to this and she's like yeah no and i was like okay i didn't I like because I was ninety percent sure that there wasn't, but then every once in a while I just hear 
that little like fairy you know of like navi like flying out to a thing and flying back that little flutter that she makes like i, w- I would hear it you know and i'd be like wait is, did anyone else hear that or is it just me so <laughs> like that meme um, of like i can hear this picture <laughs> exactly so i will say that the um sound effects my takeaway from that is the sound effects are doggedly consistent um the big thing i want to make sure that i i do actually touch on is that um and this is more so related to the music is so music is great it's it's awesome it's iconic um it's uh there's no music at night in most places right um true yeah so uh here's the weird thing is that so there's a day and night cycle which we can talk about mechanics right um the day cycle that both are punctuated by an audio cue right so the day cycle is punctuated with the rooster going cockadoodle with a um, cocoa cuckoo cuckoo yeah the the cocoa yeah um the the thing that has armies of it waiting just off screen for you (laughs) always Um, watching always waiting for one single instance of abuse um uh and the uh the the wolf howling is the cue for nighttime right uh it does not mechanically switch those two things until that sound hits that sound is the sound for when you are now in the night cycle or in the day cycle uh which is important because visually it can be sunset for some time right uh, but then right when but it will still be daytime for when you enter into the timeless area as far as like what humans are present right um the weird thing that it does and i remember this as a kid and i it, it and it really graded on me this time was uh the music fades out tonight right and then the wolf howls and then it's nighttime if you walk into a timeless area in between the fade out and the wolf howling there will be no music but it will still be daytime in the place that you go to and uh, it feels surreal and i hate it interesting yeah and it happened to me a lot like because just because the amount of time that that, that phenomenon can occur is just long enough that it there's a not insubstantial chance that you will try to enter into a timeless place while that's happening and it just it's it's surreal and so it just it would frustrate me because i'd wait because you get the sun song right so i'd like and I want to be there during the day, but I also want the delicious sound. I want to listen to it, right? <laughs> so I'd like wait and be like, oh God, I'm I'm in that weird no man's land. Hang on. Oh do 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 cockadoodle Okay, now I can go into the place. You know, like it was just this like <laughs> extra little ceremony I had to do to get the music sometimes, and that was frustrating. You know, you know what that makes me think of? Um when you you go to like a store you're trying to like get errands done really early and it's mm-hmm. a store that has like an all glass front and you can see the kid behind the counter just like on his phone and you're like listen i know like it's only 8:55 and you don't open until 9 but you're already here and i'm already here can you please just let me in so i can drop off my dry cleaning or whatever like like why why are we <laughs> pretending that you're not open for business yet Oh, that, that the opposite being is when it's you know you close at midnight and it's twelve oh one and the customer sees you locking the door and 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 they're like zombies in a zombie movie where you're like nah man not today registers <laughs> already counted down you know like we've already got that locked in the safe I'm arming the alarm <laughs> yeah yeah sorry uh, whatever it is you're here for it's gonna have to wait this <laughs> isn't a tomorrow. hospital so it's gonna have to wait 
It's <laughs> whatever you've got going on, unless you've got an ocarina with the sun song on you, <laughs> it's going to wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to specifically call out the sound effects as being like really good. Uh, we've been playing a bunch of games uh, for the, I don't know. It feels like a long time now where the sound effects I've been like, yeah, they exist, right? Like this game has sound <laughs> effects, which is, is fine, right? Like they're, they're there to, it's a specific tool. They do a specific job. Sometimes the sound effects are way more important. Like you said, this game is all about music. So God help you if the music was bad, but there's also lots of repetitive sound effects in most games, right? But like there's the, the, um, noise like when your sword swings and it goes like whoosh there's the noise it makes when you hit something and it's kind of like a very cartoony video gamey like right like it's not it's not trying to sound like cutting through meat it's you hit the enemy right yeah um there's if you hit a wall it makes like a you know clinking kind of stone sort of noise um and and they all sound like good like really nice even Navi, who is renowned in the popular culture for being incredibly annoying, her little like chime that you talked about when she like goes over to something is really useful because sometimes she goes over to something that's like behind you or off to your left and it's just off camera for you, but it's you're within the right distance for her. And that little her fluttering over there noise, she also changes color, which is nice. Um, but her fluttering over there noise, um, really gets your attention without being annoying because it's important. Like you need to be like, Oh, that's a good noise. That means there's something I should pay attention to. Like there's a lot of good little chimes and just video gamey. Like when you pick up rupees and it, as you know, it does like, like the little like kind of cash register sort of rupee noise. But if you pick up a lot of rupees, it does the like little musical melody. Like there's just a lot of thoughtful sound design, which I feel like they they didn't have to go that far, right? They could have just done like standard video game sound effects pack number six and done really good with the music and people probably would have been fine with it. But I would say that the sound effects are as polished as the music. They don't get all the pomp and circumstance and people don't love them the same way, nor should you, right? But the the quality is there. Um, agreed. Uh the the um, and you know in, in order to be respectful of everyone's time we may have to cut uh, audio a little short other than the fact that it's just it's it's amazing um the only other two minor things i had was one is there are just a bananas number of audio cues that this game feeds you as you just alluded to you know like navi flying off camera going and touching things that you uh should uh pay attention to um specifically the skulltulas um the, the gold ones like they 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 loud and they're supposed to be because the whole point is that you you hear one of them uh you know sk- skittering and uh eh, you know and <laughs> um and then it's like oh wait there's one of these nearby where is it you know and then you go hunting for it right the the one though that i did not notice as a kid that i did notice in this one is fire specifically has like kind of a crackling sound. And mm. the reason why is because a lot of the times you got to use that Deku stick to go light stuff, you know? So knowing where the source of fire is, is pretty clutch. Um, so, uh, so that's also a plus. Uh, and then the one, this is, this is just 
Okay, so the one other like thing, and this is kind of a mixture of audio and visual, is uh, so in the Lost Woods, the first time that you're there, you, you're supposed to find your way through by, by listening to Saria's song, and it gets louder in the direction that you're supposed to go in, right? Um, cool, cool fact, though, you don't have to use the audio for that. You can totally use a visual. Um, oh, it's like the gray of the... Right. Like it, it starts yeah, yeah. to fade differently. So you walk slowly. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So basically is that if it, if it's going to punt you back to the beginning, there's like a white light at the end of it. And if it's not, it's just a flat matte black, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, so you can always kind of tell where, where, what will and will not take you to a new area. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And I, uh, I actually played that section of the game on stream and I had headphones on, and so um, the volume change as you head toward the correct direction is really noticeable if you're either playing with headphones, which I recommend more people do when they play video games, or if you're playing with the volume on your TV turned way up, um, you can really tell like, oh, I'm going away from the sound or I'm going toward the sound and little stuff like that is is thoughtful, right? Like I can even though it's just basic stereo left and right, like you still feel like, Oh, the sound is over there or it's over here. I'm getting closer. I'm getting farther. Um, I do. I do want to make sure I throw this out there uh, just in the interest of being honest. Um, not every game has my uh, like, you know, nails on a chalkboard. I can't stand this noise noise, but a lot of games do. And for me in this game, it was the sound gorons make when they get up and get down and the reason that that noise is so annoying is because they do it based on your proximity they stand up to speak to you which is polite they're kind of lounging down there in the dirt and then they're like i gotta talk to this asshole kid okay i'll I'll get up and then they (laughs) yeah they kind of do the the (laughs) Like, oh, God, my back. And they and they get up and they talk to you. And then as you walk away, they and they kind of like sit back down. And because of the way the Goron village is laid out, it's a lot of narrow hallways and walkways. So y- you can't help but pass right by them. So as you're just going from place to place, you just hear. And it kind of sounds like wood creaking. Which, I don't know, maybe they should have gone with more of like a stone sort of sound. What do I know? But it it's just, the noise is a little grating. And then the fact that it's being triggered seemingly randomly because you're just walking around town. And if God help you, if you stop like right on the trigger threshold and then they just like get up and down over and over and over and over. Oh God, that's, that was the one. Thank God you don't have to spend a lot of time in their town. Um, but that was the one noise that I was just like, this, this was a poor choice to give them a, a grunting sound when they stand up and sit down and then also lay them out in this configuration where you're constantly hearing that noise. Cause it, it doesn't do anything for you. You don't need that sound. It's just a thematic design choice that they made. Um, and we already mentioned the great fairies horrifying cackle, which is, I mean, the stuff of nightmares. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, gameplay and mechanics or mechanics and controls controls and mechanics. Yes. There it is. Third time. Sean. I got there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have, I have a lot of feelings about Z targeting. Um, so we can talk about 
however much other stuff you want to talk about when we get to that, that's pretty much going to take me into the conclusion. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean like I, I, the, I've got like some minor throwaway notes. Um, I felt that, uh, the, the Deku tree, um, had great gating mechanics, uh, in it, which it needed to, um, it's the first dungeon you walk into. So pretty much it kind of makes sure step-by-step step that you know how to do certain things and interact with certain objects before you move past them. Sometimes it hammers you over the head with it by like explaining it to you 15 times. But before you exit certain areas, you know how buttons work. You know how to swim. You know, they know for sure you know how to climb. They know for sure you know that you can fall. They know for sure you know how to light things. They they, just all of it is gating mechanics. Very, very reminiscent to uh, A Link to the Past, which I thought was pretty good. Um, the, uh, you, you teleport out of each dungeon. Um, that's nice. Uh, there's, they, they definitely, I mean, there are games that do the, now, now you got to backtrack out and it's like, please don't do that to me. Um, Zelda's pretty good about doing that, but I felt that, uh, that, you know, again, uh, worth, worth noting. Um, there's, uh, yeah, I mean, like those are just some of like the, cause I, you know, I've got notes as well on Z targeting. So, um, <laughs> I, I did feel that, uh, uh, again, thematically, the fact that the game's difficulty ramps as you become an adult and that they have, that specifically they cordon off items that you can't use as a child and ones that you can't use as an adult. You know, I felt that that was nice, you know, because it's like, hey, man, you know, that's that's totally cool. You want to, uh, you know, you want to use a boomerang? That's fine. And if this puzzle necessitates a boomerang, then you, you got to be a kid. And, uh, and so I thought that that was... Uh, Cool, and then uh, the one other thing that that uh, I, I do want to touch on uh, that kind of comes back to uh, the lack of faith in the player is, and we 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 managed to skate by it in audio, but is Navi. Navi is a great exemplar with the way that she nags you is um is a great exemplar of just no faith in the player, right? Because it's like, and I get it, I get that this is the first time that they've had a world quite this big that's that's three dimensions so there's way more likely for you to miss stuff but man they wanted to make sure you absolutely knew like it's like you're going to do thing a you're then going to do thing b you're going to do thing c and and i like the idea of having navi available in case you're like ah, what, what 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 am i doing again what's my next task like what am i up to that's super helpful the fact that she pings you a, like when you're just wandering around that's unnecessary and again i think that that feeds into the fact that they just don't they they believe that you you would just be wandering around just hopelessly crying in the corner being like i don't know what to do when it, it you know as opposed to like giving you the tool they forced you to use the tool they forced you to play the game the way they think you should play it and that shows a lack of faith in the player well this game famously is a turning point for the more formulaic here's the story here's why you're here go do these dungeons in this order get these items get the triforce stab this pig in the face right like and that that's fine like i've no i like final fantasy for god's sake and those games are super <laughs> linear so like i don't have a problem with a linear kind of game um these games going all the way back to the original zelda are really about exploration and Mm -hmm. not having a specific goal or having many goals that you may or may not do in certain orders. Right. I mean, the original Zelda, if you recall, 
One of the items is the master key, which just lets you unlock any locked door that you don't have a small key for. You can take keys from one dungeon to the next, a thing they decided they hated so much that in the text for this game, when you pick up a small key, it literally says you can only use this key in this dungeon. Yep. So, and I mean, I get there are trade-offs to having, because I mean, in Zelda 1, you can get lost, so lost. So, like, I get that there are trade-offs to total, you know, no rails, no hand-holding, no information of any kind. But when you look at how linear and how um, kind of like they're taking you on a tour of the world of Hyrule, like you look at the map, right? Go all the way back to visuals. Like you look at over highly a field and you're like, Oh my God, there's so much to explore. There's this ominous mountain on the horizon. There's this river that winds around this bend into this Valley that I can't see. There's this, uh, big ranch like up on a plateau like what the hell's going on over there there's all this stuff that is like not a place you have to go and some of those places you never have to go so the fact that they create a world that's like man go explore get a horse ride around and then if you're not beelining straight to the next narrative objective you literally have someone sitting on your shoulder going the, the the story though is over there where the hell are you going you idiot like that's <laughs> it's so counter it's not just a lack of faith in the player because i think you're right like they were terrified you would get lost but the game is supposed to involve exploration so, so like not only are they terrified you're going to get lost and never find your way back to the story they kind of forgot that wandering the world was sort of supposed to be a key thing well, and I think that to me, the example is, so I, I've been, you know, hiking a lot with my, uh, with my kids, uh, which is fortunate. We have this uh, lake that goes, or a stream that goes back behind some houses, uh, which means that, you know, there's, there's kind of, we, we do a lot of climbing and, and through water and stuff like that. Uh, and so um, I have my walking stick with me, uh, which is super clutch because you, a lot of this stuff is really slick. Uh, Megan came with us the other day and I was like, here's your walking stick. And she's like, I don't need a walking stick. I'm like, just, just take the walking stick. Um, so I say all that to say that, uh, you know, when the kids are trying to like climb up a hill or something like that, um, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I will ask like, you got it? You need help? And they're like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. And then if they start to struggle, I'll like take my walking stick and I'll jam it into the side of the hill to give them something to grab onto and then move up, right? All of that is to me, like, you know, and of course I think I'm doing it right, but like that's the way to assist somebody in getting a task done, right? The opposite of that would be if I climbed up the hill in front of them and then just grabbed them and then pulled them up the hill, which is what this game feels like it's doing, right? Is it feels like it's saying like, we need to get up this hill. And it's like, I, I acknowledge that eventually I need to go beat Ganon. But, you know, like maybe I want to throw some more rocks into the river first. Maybe I want to, you know, run up the side. Maybe I want to go a different path. You know, maybe I want to do all these things. But I will let you know when I need the staff. Like, I'll let you know when I need that walking stick assist. Um, outside of that, leave me alone and let me have fun. Um, the game is like, no, we, we got we to gotta go, man. Like, lunch is going to be on in like 15 minutes. And if we're not home... Like we're all in trouble, you know, so they're constantly like grabbing you by the the scruff of the neck and pulling you forward. And again, like I just I, I feel that um, 
that yeah they were so it was very much so like crushing the butterfly you know where they were so afraid <laughs> that you would get lost and thus have a subpar experience that um that they kind of uh uh chipped away at that amazing experience a bit because of fear of, you know what I'm saying? Like their, their fear owns them. <laughs> well, and you can imagine some designers that worked on this. Cause I mean, by, by this era, you know, the teams making video games were already getting to be massive. So it's unlikely that everyone has a perfectly unified vision of what to do. And this was their freshman outing of a 3d Zelda. So, I mean, there's a lot of, randomness and things counting against them that variables outside any individual's control. The original Zelda is like the least handholdy of all the Zeldas, right? They're just like, okay, you don't know why you're here. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you should care about. Right. I hope you read the manual. Cause we're not going to tell you anything. Right. And then you, if you bookend that with breath of the wild, You'd be like, oh, look, it's the same basic idea, but with all of the lessons of 35 years of game design. And so they they let you access information if you need it through documentation. You have tools to help you solve problems. But if you only look at those two extremes, you don't realize that in the middle for a not insignificant part of the franchise's history, they actually went a lot toward the more handholdy narrative driven no we really want you to follow this story talk to these people in this order do these things in this order but the world still felt like oh no it's an open world and you can go and explore don't though and and i think that's where the the cognitive dissonance kind of comes in is you have this huge 3d world that's just so like interesting and inviting and then the game kind of does a lot of things to tell you not to engage with any of that and that that just i mean part of this probably is like because i know what i think zelda is supposed to be and this game is at a weird apex of them grappling with whether or not that's what they wanted zelda to be and i would say the the worst offender is probably either um skyward sword or twilight princess where they were just like no 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 we have a story we're going to tell you and you're going to follow that story, which again is fine. It's just to me, not Zelda. Well, and it's not what the game is, is advertising by everything you just said. Like, look at this giant open world. Look at all the stuff that we put into it. Look at all this cool stuff to explore. Right. I mean, um, and to me, like the way I kind of look at it is like, there's the curve of, you know, handholding. Right. And it just kind of like, you know, kind of starts to, to, to apex. Right. Or I guess, to me, like if you really were to draw the bell curve, it's 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 a bell curve of fun, right? You know, <laughs> and, and like you know, Link to the Past is on the upswing of it, and and this game is on the downswing. You know, I still feel that the game is is fun. It's just this is this is the harbinger. This game was the silver surfer of what silver surfer of what Zelda was about to become, and we just didn't know it, right? Because we were like, no, this is there's some things that did differently, but I mean, you know, it's fine. It's, it was still within three standard deviations of the mean of um, legend of link to the past, which was still within three standard deviations of the mean of the original. Right. So I'd say that like link to the past was within two standard deviations. This was within three standard deviations. So we're like, this is still the same, but it wasn't. And the thing is that it, it advertises that it is an open world. And I, to be fair, I do feel that this one very much. So still maintains a lot of that. It's just that they, 
you can feel the magnetism pulling you towards the 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 game on rails right but it advertises being an open world which is to me like saying you know okay hey you want to run an obstacle course and it's like yeah i want to run an obstacle course it's like cool man we're gonna run a 5k there's gonna be obstacles it's gonna be an obstacle course and then we get out there we run a 5k and there's like somebody lights a match just before the finish line and like throws it in front of you and says jump over that it's your obstacle and you're like this was a 5k you had me run a 5k and that's fine five caves are fine but this was not an obstacle course which is what you sold me on you know so uh is he targeting no, I have two other mechanical things. I just I just want to mention and then NZ targeting. Um I really uh thought the day and night cycle was going to be gimmicky at first, but I'm really glad it's in here because the game is about two things, music and time, and it would be weird if time didn't pass. Yeah. And yeah. it also is a way to cheat making the world feel larger because you don't move Physically, you move temporally, right? So the field you don't move three dimensionally. You move <laughs> fourth, fourth dimensionally. dimensionally. Correct. So it's <laughs> it feels uh, like the world is deeper, not necessarily wider, but deeper because oh, this area that I was just in a minute ago is different now, right? And not just when I use the ocarina and then go pick up the master sword. And now it's seven years later. It's just nighttime. And I really, they don't, I didn't get the feeling that they like slap you across the face with it where it's like daytime matters, nighttime matters, but it, it does matter. It just matters in subtle ways that makes the world feel more alive and more interesting. So big thumbs up on including that. Cause otherwise it'd be like, wait a minute. So it's always daytime. It's just either daytime now or daytime seven years from now. Like that would just <laughs> feel a little like, huh? Right. Um, one other kind of control thing that I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned just because I was like, Oh, this is so N64. Uh, this game has platforming in a manner of speaking, but most of the time you automatically jump from ledge to ledge. And most of the time the ledges are exactly the right distance so that you either exactly make the jump or you exactly catch the edge and it feels super dramatic. And then you climb up. Um, but there is no drama. There, There is no anything because it's not you don't press the jump button. There's a problem with that. Uh, just like they don't trust you to stay with the story and they don't trust you to control the camera. They didn't trust you to jump in a game that involves jumping. So when the automatic jumping doesn't work and Link just walks to his <laughs> death off of some ledge, you're angry with the game because you're like, no, I know that he needed to jump. You didn't know that he needed to jump. Why did you kill me game? (laughs) So so like every time I jumped when I meant to just step off a ledge or I stepped off a ledge when I really wanted to jump off that ledge, which granted a lot of the time it's explainable because the angle was just wrong or the camera wasn't doing what I thought it was or the camera snapped at the last second. And then I did something other than what I meant to tell the game to do. So sometimes it was sort of the game's fault but kind of the controls but every time it left me with the same feeling of like either have a button to make me jump or don't make me jump like this is in some ways worse than taking the camera control away from me because either the jumping works perfectly and it's pointless 
and I just jump over gaps that I'm never, ever going to fall into. And then why do they even exist? Or it won't work sometimes and I will be very angry with it. So it's like this kind of weird auto platforming, which I'm fairly confident was only in this game and in Majora's Mask because they use the same game engine. Um, This is terrible. This is a terrible design decision. Any other game that did this, it was also a terrible design decision. Like either make me jump or don't have jumping. Don't do this weird auto jumping, but only sometimes. And if you roll to a ledge, sometimes you'll auto jump, but other times you won't like it's just, ugh. yeah. And, and I would, I would definitely say that that falls somewhat into the no faith in the player. I would also say that, um, that falls into, uh, they, they didn't, I don't think that they wanted this to be a platformer because I can't really think of too many times when the main challenge was the platforming, right? Because, oh, you know, virtu- we're like virtually climbing often, not yeah. jumping Mario style. No, correct. Right. And so I think that this is more so in the category of the world would, they, they didn't want platforming to be one of the things that this game did, but the world would be weird if everywhere you went was walkable you know so it's like well you know it doesn't make any sense for you know there to be perfect like clean platforms from here to here to here to here it would just feel weird so they're like so let's have jumping but not not really jumping you know we don't we don't want that we'll just we'll 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 jump for them you know and again it's like why why not make the action button the jump button it's the action button it can just be the jump button when it's you know nothing else right yeah and it, I, I think you're right. It it feels like it's included because it's 3D and you can jump in 3D, right? Jumping doesn't make as much sense in the the top-down style of the older Zelda games, even though, again, Link's Awakening absolutely includes jumping, right? So it can be done, and Link was able to jump before this, but this really feels like 3D can't be a perfectly smooth, you know, wheelchair accessible universe. It just wouldn't be believable. And I get, I get that. I really do. But then either never, ever, ever make the auto jumping fail. And it's just there for like visual cinematic reasons or action button is jump button. Like just don't, don't do this weird. We trust you sometimes and other times we don't because it, it doesn't work. Then, then you see the seams. All right. Now we can talk about Z targeting. Yeah. I mean, do your thing, man. Um, so I thought a lot about how I was going to tackle this and, uh, I've decided to distill it down to a story in this game. There are enemies all over the place. And the way you lock onto them is by hitting the Z button and then Navi shoots over to them and it does the little arrows pointing. So you know exactly who you're targeted onto, right? It's, they needed a solution to this problem. Unfortunately, they didn't come up with one. So what you get instead of a way to interact with the world in three dimensions to serve combat is Z targeting, which in my opinion doesn't work right. They did the best they could, but it doesn't work right. It is just the best they could do. And here is the the most distilled example in as far as I could tell the entire game from, from my point of view, uh, when you go into the ice cavern. So before the water temple, you have to go into the ice cavern and there are some platforms you have to platform to like get up higher or, you know, go safely down lower. 
Um, and there's this one room where there are uh, sliding. Um, it's like a sliding ice puzzle where you, you push the block. Mm -hmm. It can only move in a perfectly straight line. So you have to, you know, have a barrier on the other side that it's going to crash into. We, we've all, we've all seen those sliding ice puzzles. Yeah. There I are, have them at work in order to get in. <laughs> we were going to go with uh, scanner cards, but they're expensive. Um, yeah. There are bats in that room. The camera thinks that what the camera should be doing is looking basically straight down at the ground. So when you go into this room so that you can see what you're doing, the camera's up high looking down at an angle, right? And the edge of the room is a pit. And if you fall in that pit, it resets the puzzle, right? So you kind of need to see the ground to solve the puzzle and to not fall into the pit. Problem is the bats are up at the like unseeable ceiling, right? Like it's just the walls fade into black nothingness and the bats are up there flying around. And to the game's credit, when the bats are coming for you, combat music starts. So the the kind of ice cavern music drops out. The combat music starts. Uh, eventually, once they're close enough, Navi shoots over to them and it makes the little sparkly Navi noise, right? And you see her move. So you have a lot of cues that combat is coming. The problem is you're in this room as Adult Link. And when Adult Link holds up his shield, he just holds it up in front of him. And you are now stationary. You can only move when you're holding the shield if you're locked onto an enemy. And you can only lock onto enemies that are in the current field of view. It doesn't matter if Navi has gone over to them. She can see them. You, the player, can't see them. And so here you are pressing the Z button like a jackass because you know that there's a bat right there or something because Navi has flown over. And when you press the Z button and there's nothing to target onto, it goes and it makes like a whooshy whooshy noise. And it does the, 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 um, like 16 by nine, uh, bars mm -hmm. come in, the black bars come in on top and bottom, which now link is standing straight up looking straight in front of him. And the camera has recentered behind him. And then you let go of the Z button and the camera starts to go back to its pre-scripted, like high looking down. And now you just are panic spinning in circles, trying to figure out where the bat is before it hits you so that you can Z target onto it and either defend yourself or properly attack it before it gets close enough. And the number of times in the, over the course of this game that I had goddamn bats crash into my head because the game just wouldn't let me prove to it that I knew the bat was there is dozens, hundreds of times a lot of times and the bats in this cavern are ice bats. So when they hit you, they freeze you, which means you have to deal with the consequences of the game's bad design for even longer. Cause then you got to unfreeze and then you got to spin around and find the bat and lock on. Oh my God, dude, it's so broken. It's broken. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work right. Like I respect that this was all brand new and that they were trying this thing. They were trying to solve a complicated problem with a very specifically designed controller. This game was not a launch title. So this controller was set in stone by the time this game was being designed, right? It's, it's, I hesitate to use the phrase experience ruining, but it sucks all of the fun out of combat. It takes enemies that for four Zelda games have been 
throw away just to make sure you're awake enemies and turns them into a legitimate threat that can kill you, that can knock you into pits and reset puzzles, that can uh, set you on fire or freeze you and interrupt you while you're trying to solve a puzzle or do something. They become this panic-inducing nightmare all just because unless you already can see them, Z-targeting does not help you. And the whole point of Z-targeting is that it is supposed to direct the camera to the threat. If I'm already looking at the threat, what is the point of Z-targeting on it? Noted. <laughs> uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's interesting. Um, I did not have quite that severe of an experience. So as you were talking, I was trying to figure out why. Um one is so let's let's put a pin in bats for a second. Um the other enemies, I, I so I think that the main purpose of Z targeting, and, and again, like this was I think one of the first games to use that idea of like the press a button and now that's that's the thing you're focused on. Um so definitely not well honed or well refined. You know, definitely <laughs> the, the 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 first the, the, that is definitely a, a fish fish with like scenario. Um, that being said, is I think that the main the main idea with it is that you don't have to worry about um, moving in three dimensional space relative to that thing. You're always going to be moving relative to it. And secondly, that it it automatically changes what some of your buttons do because it knows that you're engaged in combat. So that way, you know when something tries to hit you, you don't roll out of the way, you quick dodge to the side or, or what have you. Um, that being said, um, I think that, from my seat at least, is it worked adequately well against um, like the Stalfos, the wolves, the, yes. you know, the, the yeah, the, 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 the stuff you can actually like, you know, the, 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 the land stuff, you know? Well, and, and this, I think, is the issue with Z targeting as it is a thing you need for combat is I honestly would not be surprised to find out they designed Z targeting with the bosses in mind first, Mm -hmm. then the larger, more obviously threatening enemies like the iron knuckle or whatever it's called, the Stalfos, the Wolfos, the Armos, right? All of the large, obvious threats that you typically deal with one, maybe two at a time, right? Because that's when it's like, okay, there's a big boss or there's a big guy and he's trying to crack me with a shield and stab me with a sword, right? And, and and it feels very like this thing has all of my attention right now. And Z-targeting serves that need pretty well, pretty, like pretty good. And then you have these enemies that are supposed to be joke throwaway enemies just to make the world feel like it's inhabited and like things live here. And they somehow now become this massive threat where you can't get your shield up. You can't get your boomerang out. You can't get your fairy bow out. Like they are so much more likely to hit you. Like I died from bats probably twice as much as (laughs) Stalfoses and Wolfoses and boss fights because I could keep my attention. The games controls attention where I needed it to when it's an obvious threat. But then these bats would come in and like, infect me with a horrible disease and i was like ah, i wasn't even paying attention to the bat because the game wouldn't <laughs> let me and now i'm gonna die so i'm trying to think are there any 
enemies akin to the bats or is it pr- primarily the the bats that because i can't think of anything else that, that flies around and then like swoops in and attacks you like that there are like the jellyfish and the bubbles and jabu jabu and like similar things where like um they kind of exist there's the uh the the flaming skull things but they uh they are really they stay at like chest height so you it, know that's like exactly it is they fly visually but mechanically they behave like something that's always on the ground yeah right so it's Uh, it's the the only other thing i could think of that comes from the sky besides birds and bats um is the i think they're called floor masters the hand oh yeah yeah but i mean like they they the only time when you can attack them is when they're like on the ground yes yeah so you're never trying to target them when they're in the air you're trying to avoid them and man they drop mad money man they they are (laughs) They are cash pinatas. Like whenever they're like, "Be careful," the the hand things are here. I'm like, "Oh, I'm about to get paid, son." <laughs> uh, like I had a completely different emotional reaction to what the game was shooting for. So then I, I would I would probably argue that that Z targeting is not fundamentally broken. That it is fundamentally broken with this enemy type, and therefore this enemy type should not have been in the game. You know. That yeah that that's not. That's not an unfair interpretation. Yeah, I mean, like, from my seat, is it, I, I agree with you. B- bats are a, a, a chore in this game. And yes, they were absolutely, like, just... They were around in caves, you took one hit at them with your sword, they were gone, right? Now, anytime there was a room where there were bats... Actually, and to be fair, the way I dealt with it, that, and why I don't think I had quite the experience-ruining situation that you ran into, is that the minute I was in a room and I heard the audio cue of, there are bats in here... I did nothing but exclusively deal with those bats because I knew that it was going to just watch out my up if I did not. That massively escalates their their like threat. Oh yeah, that's a threat. Yeah, because now now you're like, oh, this room has bats in it. I am now you know Link Bat Exterminator. Like that is that is saving Zelda is no longer my primary role because oh my god, there's bats in this room. Like yes. there are bats in rooms in Link to the Past that I would just walk past, right? Oh yeah, no, dude, you you could you could use those swift boots and then just like jam through the room and just kill bats along the way, you know, like they were an afterthought. So definitely, I would say that if you're pulling on your pop culture knowledge for, you know what it is. Um, this is slightly tangential, but I was playing D anD D a while back with uh, um, two friends. And, uh, you know, they were like level five or something like that. And I was like, I need something, a moderate challenge, moderate to heavy challenge. So, you know, bears in D&D are like CR five to CR eight, depending on the type of bear. Right. So I, I threw a couple of grizzlies in there and the, the, the mage was like, I was like, all right, three bears come at you. And the mage was like, bears, don't even worry about it. Smash cut to like five rounds later, the fighters down, the mage is up against the wall, you know? <laughs> and she was like, what the hell happened? And I'm like, I don't know. They're bears like i don't know <laughs> what made you so cavalier and nonchalant about the bear situation but they're bears like yes this was a this was a problem you know so um so all that being said is i do think that yes if you're if you're going off of well i've played D before and i fought beholders so this isn't an issue it's like no no this is this is so something that, to be concerned about that that's fair so let me extend this beyond the bats because okay the bats are the most egregious example of z targeting being overly married to the camera now because mm-hmm. if if they're on the screen then you can z target them just fine 
Mostly. Well, and also too, if you, um, so like I said, like when I would go deal with the bats is I would go in immediately equip my ranged weapon and exclusively try to hunt them down, which meant that if they started to come after me, they were already in my line of sight and I could Z target onto them. Exactly. So that was the way I handled it, which is why I didn't experience this like bats, bats everywhere. But anyways, <laughs> oh, God. Um, another place that's probably again, one of the most egregious examples is um, when you fight, the i guess it's the dodongo he you fight him in that big kind of circular arena yeah um navi will go hang out with him at a distance that the game will not honor your z targeting like Mm -hmm. her radius for hey there's a thing over here you should care about is non-trivially larger than your ability to hit z and get the lock on which Mm -hmm seems like an oversight right now most of the boss arenas and individual rooms and dungeons are not that massive so that is a somewhat extreme case but it shows this weird decoupling like i I feel like there should be a hard variable set that's like if navi is on a thing and you press z you will always lock on to it even if it's not on camera even if it's completely behind you because i feel like thematically that is the point. The point is, I know where Navi is. So if Navi saw something, she is essentially relaying that information to me. She is, hey, listening to me. There's a giant <laughs> dongo over here. There's a bat about to eat your lunch, you stupid kid. Like there's, it, it, it weirdly neuters her to have her fly over there And then I guess she suddenly becomes Tinkerbell where I can't hear her and her speaking just sounds like ringing bells and it's useless noise to me. And she's not conveying information about the bat that, Oh God, right? Like it's just, (laughs) it's the reason I say experience ruining is a bridge too far, but it's like, I'm standing at the bridge, looking at it, thinking about crossing it is the amount of times you get hit by an ice bat or hit by a fire bat or uh, a scutella drops down and it's like, yeah, I knew you were there, but I had to get close enough to trigger you because Navi wouldn't let me Z target on you for some reason. Like the amount of times that that happens in the game is not a small number. And it's yes. enough that I, you would think someone play testing would be like, ah, I Navi is over there, but I can't like I'm, I'm hitting Z and like, I'm not log- like, okay, if I take five more steps, now I can lock on. Or if I turn the camera or turn my body because I don't have free control over the camera, if I physically move over there, now I can lock on. And it it just feels, it creates this weird divide between what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing and what the game is saying. No, no, pay attention to the bats, right? Exactly what you did. You entered a room that had bats and you were like, bat exterminator has arrived. And I entered a room with bats and I was like, oh, look, a puzzle, right? Like like I wanted to go and deal with the puzzle, but the game was like, no, no, deal with the bats, right? When I entered a room that had a Stalfos with the iron knuckle or obviously a boss, like, okay, combat has my attention, but I don't know, dude. Like it just, I, I, I think it's interesting that you pointed out, like, it's hard to decouple this from my overarching knowledge of Zelda as a (laughs) franchise, because I think that's totally true. I still say Z targeting should be way more aggressive. If Navi knows I should know because the way I know is that Navi knows I, the player 
only know because Navi knows, which is how Link would know. And I think that, that agreed. And I, I definitely think that this is a, uh, a fish with legs scenario where they were like, what, what if you could just press a button and then focus in on that thing? It's like, oh my God, that is the best idea ever. And it's like, great. But then they didn't really get good at honing like the, um, you know, the, the, the distance on that or how exactly it works. Like the fact that it's like, yeah, no, I mean, definitely lock on, but there's no reason why like the character has to be perfectly facing that thing at all times. Like as long as I press a button B and even if I'm like about face to them, it just turns me around and swings on them. Like that's all that matters. Right. You know, because part of why I think that it doesn't allow you to see why it breaks the targeting on the, the, on the Dodongo specifically is because when you do Z target onto something, you don't move at full pace, you shuffle. Right. So if you actually want to go run that thing down and you're Z targeted to it, you're going to slowly shuffle your way up to it. Um, which is again, because like, and I think that this is the thing. So, um, as far as is it, it, it does the targeting hold up, right? Um, we have to go with your interpretation because my nostalgia goggles are definitionally <laughs> thicker than yours, right? You know, so, um, but I think that uh, what we have here is is because this is an instance where I played this game into the ground, right? And you did not play it until way later, right? Is that I think that we could make the thing of, of saying like, if it comes down to nostalgia goggles, right? You know, like I'm I'm wearing them, right? But you could also say that that the way I'm playing it is the way that the developers, it's probably closer to the way the developers intentioned because I play tested it for like a thousand hours. So I know like, okay, don't, don't do this. That doesn't work. You know, um, like with the bats where I just knew like, oh, I gotta deal with these bats. <laughs> right. You know, um, or, or like with the Dodongo that I knew that I, I didn't even Z target onto him at all. You know, like I would just pick up the bomb right when he starts to do that Z target, toss the bomb in and then break Z targeting because he's going to roll far away. And I wanted that because I wanted to be able to run up to him. Um, so I definitely, I I would agree though, is I think that Z targeting this Z targeting in this instance is absolutely something that is, does move the, the needle towards nostalgia goggles because the issue is that this was, uh, uh, the, seminal for the um for, for z target i mean like they, this this mechanic did not really exist before this game right the problem is that a lot of games have since said this is a good idea um and they do it better right so the problem is that if you're expecting z targeting to work like it does in every other 3d game that uses z targeting it a hundred percent does not it doesn't even come close it ain't even the same ballpark it ain't even the same league <laughs> even the same sport right you know so um so all that being said it's it's just it's not it's not as good is it better than nothing yeah probably but it's it's definitely not as good as you think it is because it's not as good as every other game that's cribbed it is and and that's why i say like it it feels like it was designed for bosses and major combat encounters because there i would say it actually works great like exactly the way you would hope that it does and then in every other instance of when you need to use it i mean hell when you need to show something to uh, the Zora, the big fat Zora fish. Like mm-hmm. he only acknowledges you if you're standing up on the little outcropping and Navi flies over to him and you have to Z target him and then talk to him. And it's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Like he's over there. What else would I be doing up on this little plinth? Like, obviously the, the action button up on this plinth should just make me talk to him. Even if I'm facing the wrong direction, obviously that is what I'm up here doing. So, uh, 
You wanna you wait, wanna you wanna wrap it? Wait, I got I've one one last little throwaway thing. Alright, do it. So this game is no question the first three D Zelda, and it's the beginning of the hand holding era, like the hand holding era proper of Zelda. Mm-hmm. I think this game is also the beginning of the a tonal shift in the text in Zelda games. And they make fun of this in Skyward Sword. And I think Twilight Princess did some of this too. Um, I think Breath of the Wild even has a little bit of this. And this is just my opinion. It's really hard to do funny flavor text, period. Like it's hard to do good, funny flavor text. And like, there's a lot of times where you would talk to someone or you would get an item and the flavor text when it's explaining it to you is literally like, you don't know why he's so upset, but I'm sure you'll find out or like, Oh, you got a lot of rupees. You're writ. And it's like, who is the narrator? Who is saying this? (laughs) Like, is this supposed to be Navi talking to me every time that I would kind of believe, right? Because it's like, she's telling me how to use bombs or where I can use keys or whatever. But like, like when you're trying to get the, the, the big Goron sword and there's like all this weird little chummy flavor text. And like, I know that it gets worse in the later games. Like what I would consider worse. They, they continued this tonal trend and in this game, I'm pretty sure is the start of it. And I just, I don't care for it. This is all opinion. This has nothing to do with quality that I just don't care for the game being like, you found the compass. How convenient. And I'm like, shut the hell up. We play like, what is wrong with you? Like just noted. Yeah. yeah right. Where you're like, like, uh, like, yeah, I got it. I got the compass. Yeah. Got it. Or make it be Navi, right? Because then it's Navi's personality coming through. But when the robotic game text also seems to have a personality, I'm like, are these my thoughts? Is this a character? Is it the owl? Is it na- who is speaking to me? Like, why do you have a personality? Why do you have a sense of humor for God's sake? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's very cringy to me. And this is not, this is not dated. It's not because it was the nineties. It's not, I just don't like this. I don't like when modern games do this. It can be done. Well, I just, I'm very weirdly particular about this. And I did not like the way they handled it in Ocarina. <laughs> It's the the so it's the middle part of the Triforce, <laughs> the, you know, the like the empty, empty part. Space. Yeah, it's the empty space in the Triforce. Yeah, that's what it is. Hey, it's it's hey Link. The, that 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 piece of the Triforce is a real pain in the butt. Like it's just that's why it's not represented in any of like the tri. The, the, it's like the yeah that 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 weird guy at the party was like, hey, like oh wow, you got craft beer, isn't that convenient? It's like ah, Josh, why are you here? how did you even know we were having this yeah it's just, I, I know like i Come said on, this Ted. is this is a hundred percent opinion if you like this kind of humor if you think it's delivered well like i'm not i'm not judging anybody it's fine i just it because that flavor text is on screen all the time these little jokes were being shoved in my face all the time i just ugh. okay now now though now if you want to talk about how it held up now now i think we could yeah you you, you wanna yeah um I am going to do what I think may be a nostalgia goggles first. And I'm going to say, uh, this game is no nostalgia goggles required with the caveat that you must play the three DS remake. Do not play it on the N64. There is nothing special about the N64 version. It is better in zero ways than the 3DS remake. The 3DS remake has better visuals, even though this game has fine visuals. 
it has a richer uh, set of music because they had more powerful hardware to work with, even though the music in this game is phenomenal. And then all these little rough edges have been sanded off. The targeting works better. The aiming, we didn't even talk about aiming. The aiming with the slingshot and the ferry bow and the, the hook shot and the long shot that works a million times better. The, just There's nothing the original does that the 3DS remake didn't do better. And this is a great game. There's so much good stuff here, which is why the 3DS remake is basically exactly the same game with better graphics, because it's not like it was narratively broken. It's not like it was thematically broken. There aren't huge, massive game breaking bugs. They just were like, you know, we're just going to polish off a couple of these rough spots. We're going to sand a few of these edges and it, it lets, you know what it is? It's, it's, they polished a gemstone. The the N64 version of Ocarina to me is like an uncut diamond. Like there's so much good and value there. And if this is all you've got, if all you have is the N64 version, yes, play it. If you can take it to a jeweler and have them cut it and polish it and make it really pretty and play the 3DS remake, never ever touch the N64 version. There is no reason I know of. Maybe there's a great reason. There's no reason I know of. Anyone should ever play this version if they can play the 3DS version. So no nostalgia goggles required. Please, for the love of God, play the remake. Don't play the original. (laughs) And actually, I would agree with that because at one point I queued up a a YouTube video of the 3DS one. I'm like, this game looks awesome. (laughs) Um, You know, I was like, this, this, this makes sense. And uh, so for me, uh, also no, no nostalgia goggles required. Here's the thing is that, um, does it require nostalgia goggles to play this game? No. Is this game the best game ever made? No. And that is, I think, part of the the argument that gets conflated regularly, right? Is that people are like, you know, well, you can't say anything bad about Ocarina. Ocarina is the best game ever made. No, it's not. It was absolutely the pioneer for a million different things that you're using right now, right? Like, all of these different games use a lot of these mechanics, ideas, the way it orient, like all of it. Like it, 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 it was the grandfather to a number of different things, right? But that being said, is it is still a game of its era. It absolutely has its problems. Some of them can be very experiencing ru- ruining. It absolutely has gotcha moments. Um, but is it still fun to play? Is it still worth picking up and uh, and taking a swing up? Absolutely, it is. I mean. To, to say that this game is the best game ever made would not be true. But to say that the game is worth playing, well, that's not a long shot. The curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll. Then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two. There by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land, battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in With the edge of a smile You realize again 
lost for a while You gonna think back much less On how you saved the day Than on all the experience gained 